What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drills. We be the first one of this upcoming football season that we got going on. So um, we're just going to do a quick little episode here uh, to get it started. Obviously, we've already had a couple weeks of college football. We had week zero, week one. And then on Thursday in a couple days, we're going into the first game of the NFL season. So um, if you were missing football, this past Sunday was your last without professional football. So there you go. Um, we'll go ahead and go into our first quarter here of two minute drill, and we're going to go into our recap time, which will be what our topic will be in our quarter one here. And in that slot, we have two topics this week. Uh, the first one that I have for David is going to be, what was the best off season move in his opinion? I'm going to focus on the Panthers actually. They picked okay. up actually several people. Uh, they picked up a new head coach in Frank Reich, uh, who was the Indianapolis Colts' former head coach. They drafted Bryce Young with the number one pick. They signed Andy Dalton, running back Miles Sanders, as well as Adam Thielen and Hayden Hurst. Um, I think that they will definitely be an improvement from last season especially with the guidance of Frank Reich and Andy Dalton. Uh, Bryce Run will have someone to learn from this year and not have to worry about starting right off the bat. And on top of that, even though Adam Thielen, uh, Thielen sorry, uh, may not be what he used to be for the Vikings, he could probably still do something, anything for them. So... Yeah, it seems like they have a good mix of veteran and, you know, veteran presence and youth on that squad uh, to give them a chance to maybe not necessarily compete for a playoff spot this year, but definitely help their young guys grow. Um, I can't see them not starting Bryce Young week one. I just I think that's what they're going to go with and they'll they'll take the bumps and the bruises. But I do I do like having Andy Dalton there. Maybe he serves as like a. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick role that he um, filled with Tua where maybe in those games where there is close games and Bryce Young looks to maybe be struggling maybe Andy Dalton can come in and win the game or something like that but I don't know I don't know if he has the Fitz magic (laughs) but I I do think that yeah having a veteran quarterback um, even an Andy Dalton can be helpful on the sidelines there too I do like that one um, I went a little bit more simple <laughs> with mine. I went uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I just think that I think Carolina Panthers is a good one. That's one I thought about too. But I just think that the addition of Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, um, they went from a middle of the pack team that maybe wins six or seven games to I think this is a a serious playoff contender um, in the AFC. I don't I don't know if they necessarily win the AFC, but I think that this is a team that can make some noise. I think if they hit their stride and their defense is as good as they say they are, I think that yeah, I think we could see them even potentially making it to the AFC conference championship game. So um, I just think he's that big of a player. I still think that he's a good quarterback, even though we kind of saw him decline a little bit last year. But you have to remember what he had around him last year compared to what he has now. I think he has significantly better weapons around him now. So, again, oh, yeah. not as 
not not as like as flashy as you know getting a bunch of people, but I do think that that was probably one of the biggest moves done uh, in the off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our second topic here in the recap and which player, or if you have a couple players um, impressed you most during the preseason, David, uh, I'm actually going to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, Elijah cooks. Okay. Well, he did not have any touchdowns like reception touchdowns. He did have nine targets for seven receptions and a total of 146 yards over three games, which actually isn't necessarily terrible at all. So, I mean, the fact that he was able to catch seven out of nine, that's majority of all of his receptions. And if he can, like, keep majority of his receptions transferring over to the regular season, then he's going to have a solid season. Yeah, and any weapon that Trevor Lawrence can can use to help that team definitely progress is good. Um, Mm -hmm. I had three guys. My main one uh, was Deuce Vaughn. Uh, didn't like play a didn't get a bunch of carries, but uh, he had 13 carries for 64 yards. That was good for almost five yards a carry, and then he had two touchdowns. Not necessarily like the most like sexy stats, but just watching him play and watching how shifty he is, and um, I I just I have a feeling that if he can develop and and you know maybe become that guy there in Dallas um, and they're able to upgrade that offensive line again. I think that he could have some success there um, even with Tony Pollard. And then maybe if the Cowboys decide to move on from Tony Pollard because they don't want to pay their running back and they learn from their, you know, their previous blunders with Zeke. But I do think that uh, I think that he just impressed me because of, of his size and, and he kind of people wrote him off a little bit. Um, and I love his story that his dad was able to draft him and stuff like that. So it would really be cool to see that work out. And like I said, I just think he electrically, he really impressed me in, in the preseason. And then the other two I have are kind of a tandem and I'll sound like a little bit of a homer on it, but I loved Pickett and Pickens, um, in the preseason Pickett had the, had like a perfect passer rating in the preseason he was 13 for 15 199 yards and two touchdowns and then Pickens had three catches for 76 yards and a touchdown so those two together I think if they can continue to develop and grow as a pair I think that's going to be our next you know good quarterback wide receiver tandem um, in the league for the next like five or six years so I I do think that they really impress me um and I think Pickett took a big step up from last year because he did throw a lot of interceptions last year. So him being able to be as accurate as he was, I know it's just the preseason, so it doesn't necessarily mean that all the starters are playing on on either side of the ball, but um, he was very accurate, was able to dissect defenses. I think that's going to be really important for his confidence and his development going into the season. So um, those two definitely kind of impressed me as well, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. On top of that, I feel like there's some kind of weird joke in there somewhere. With Pickett and Pickens. Listen, Pickett to Pickens is going to be if if they <laughs> if if like I said, if they can develop, you know, and they can st- have that connection and keep it going. You know, I think the Steelers found their next franchise quarterback and franchise wide receiver for the next, you know, maybe ten years or something like that. So we'll have to see. Like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to say that's what it's going to be because they're still young um, and. Sophomore slumps happen, but um, it it does it does look like Pickett's Pickett is a very um, 
very efficient passer. He may not have the biggest arm or the flashiest arm, but he does look very efficient. And I think that's really all you need in a quarterback when you have that good of a defense and you have good weapons around you. So um, let's go ahead and move on to quarter two here for us in these episodes. Quarter two is going to focus on college football. So in this one, David, this first topic, maybe in a sentence or a couple sentences, what was your opinion of that, of Ohio State's first game there? Honestly, quite disappointing. Uh, especially for McCord, since he didn't score a touchdown mm-hmm. and relying primarily on field goals from fielding. Yeah. Now, so that's the that's the three sen- two, three sentences that you asked for. Let me go into details why I kind of think that way. The game they won 23 to 3 against Indiana, unranked team. Now, normally that isn't necessarily an issue, especially with the next topic that we're going to talk about. Um, but considering it's Ohio State, you'd expect a lot better. McCord went 20 for 33, 239 yards with one interception. Rushing yards, it was 143 yards split mainly between DeMonte. How do you say his last name? Uh, it's Trainum. Trainum? Yeah. Uh, Trayvon. Henderson and Mayan Williams, who yeah. scored the the only two touchdowns mm-hmm. out of everyone. Now, receiving wasn't terrible. It was Stover with five receptions for 98 yards, Fleming for six and 58 yards were the primary guys, which isn't which is to be expected. And then fielding the kicker, um, Went three for three for field goals with a long of 40 for a total of 11 points. So considering it's Ohio State and not the Browns, that is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, my uh, I had one word. It was uh, worried. <laughs> um, and listen, the, the defense, I think, played really well. Now, it is, you know, it was Indiana. I, I don't I don't want to say that they're a bad team, right? Because the majority of the teams within the Big Ten they are good teams, right? Indiana's unranked, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad team, right? I don't think that Ohio State didn't go out and play like a crap team in week one, right? They went out and played a mid-tier Division One college team. Like it should have been a little bit more of a challenge than playing like Eastern Kentucky or the University of Miami week one, right? But or yeah. So like I I I do give them that credit there in playing a, at least a quality opponent week one. Uh, I think their defense played pretty well. They were able to shut down their offense. I'm just really worried about the quarterback situation. You know, it, we were supposed to see both quarterbacks significantly, and we only saw Kyle McCord. Devin Brown uh, only got like three passes off, I think, for like negative yards. So mm-hmm. we're in a situation now where like my question, you know, is why didn't Devin Brown play more? But if you kind of saw how Kyle McCord played and Kyle McCord beat him out in camp, I think that's why Devin Brown didn't play. So I don't know. It's very interesting. I think they really need to sort out that offensive line. It didn't seem like they were able to get much push for those running backs. Um, you you would want those three guys to have a better yard per carry average. I think Trainum had 7.1 or something like that. So he definitely had the best day, but you know, Kyle McCord has to be better if he's going to be the starter. 
And I know C.J. Stroud didn't have the best start to his Ohio State career either, but it's it just feels different this time. And I'm I'm a little worried, but they'll have the next two weeks to play some cake opponents and and figure it out. So, um, let's go ahead and move on to our next college topic. And this was gonna be a little more fun, but David, you know what was your initial reaction from Colorado's first game? explosive of all things i agree Defense probably could have been a little bit different like better in the sense that they could have prevented some of the scoring but the offense held up they did what they needed to do mm-hmm. and uh yeah so like travis hunter um he had 11 receptions for 119 yards didn't score a touchdown as a wide receiver but just overall a really good performance, mm-hmm. especially considering that they had what two or three wide receivers that hundred had a hundred plus yards total. And then Sanders went 38 for 47, no interceptions, 510 yards, four TDs and came up really close when he needed to. So I think that by and large part that Colorado definitely proved that they are here now. Are they here to stay? That is something to be seen. We'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, I, I do I do think that offensively, this is gonna be a good team. Defensively, I think that they're going to be able to keep up with those in their division, but depth is a problem, right? I think I don't think they have the guys to rotate in and out to give some of those starters rest. So when you get into the later parts of the game, that's when I think you'll see teams score on them more. But I do think that offense has the opportunity and and they should be able to keep up with a lot of the teams they're going to play this year. Um, Travis Hunter and uh, Shadir Sanders, both should now be on people's Heisman's lists. Um, when you have a guy who's playing both sides of the ball, I don't know how long he's going to be able to do that for his career, but if he can do it this season and he could consistently keep himself around like 70 to 80 receiving yards in a game, and he can at least get, you know, average about half a touchdown a game. And then on the other side of the ball, he can average right around like eight tackles, maybe a pass deflection, and then he could get up to about like, you know, six or seven interceptions on the season. I think that's a guy at the end of the season when you look at him, like if he could have, you know, 50 some tackles, if he could have a thousand receiving yards, maybe 10 receiving touchdowns. Um, I think this is a guy that could be in the conversation for a Heisman. And then I think if Shadir Sanders can continue to um, perform the way that he performs, and and I think he could be in the Heisman conversation as well too. But like I said, I think depth is going to be their main problem because they had a lot of turnover. Um, and I just I think that you know hopefully they can stay healthy and stuff like that throughout the season. But my like initial reaction was, you know, Deion Sanders is going to be the next great college coach, as long as he wants to do it. Um, I think that when you have a guy who knows the game as well as he does, has the connections as well as he does, and has the star power to be able to recruit pretty much whoever he wants, he can go somewhere like Jackson State and get the top talent. He can go somewhere like Colorado and bring in the top talent. I think that 
Um, he's going to pretty much be able to do whatever he wants to do, and he's going to be able to build what he wants to build. And it'll be very interesting to see if he's like a guy who sticks with Colorado, maybe builds it up there and builds a perennial contender there for years to come, or he goes to one of the more traditional blue blood programs, gets a little bit more money, has a little bit more draw there as well too. Um, But I do think that as long as he's at Colorado, he's setting them up for success for years to come because the hype around that program is going to stay at least five to six years after he's gone, even if they completely suck because of what he's building there. Um, And Dom just joined in. Dom, we're basically uh, in our quarter two here talking about college football. You know, what's your initial reaction from Colorado's first game? And then what did you think about Travis Hunter and Shadir Sanders' performances? Um, As someone that watched that game live, that was – one of the best college games that I've ever seen. Uh, that was yeah. Well, like, I, don't, I, listen, I don't I don't know about best ever, but it was definitely up there in the top ten. It was like I don't think it was the best that I've ever seen, um, but it was definitely up there as one of the best that I've ever seen. Um, I was very impressed with with the whole team. Really, um, that that rookie running back that that scored four touchdowns, um, Dion Sun. Um, Gonna horribly butcher his name, so I'm just gonna refer to him as Dion's son. Um, it's, it's he has he has two because he has Sh- Shador, Shador, or yeah, Shador, and then I think he calls the other one Shiloh or something. I don't. Yeah. Um, I was beyond impressed with with how he played. I mean, not only was he accurate with his throws, but his decision making was impeccable. Um, his ability to move around in the pocket was unbelievable. Um. You know, you when when I heard that his son was following him to to Colorado and is going to be the quarterback, I'm like, all right, well, there's nepotism at its finest there. But holy shit, this kid this this kid could play like he he justified why he's the starting quarterback. And honestly, if he continues to play this way, he's going to be in the Heisman conversation. Yeah, that's that's what um, I was just telling David. I was like, these these two guys in Hunter and and you know Dion son at quarterback. They should be on people's Heisman's list because of the way that they played. Um, and I don't know if you like watched the post game interview, but Dion was talking about Shador and how when he was younger, he made him play safety as well as quarterback. Yeah, so that, I watched. I watched yeah. his um, Pat McAfee interview, or maybe it was Pat McAfee interview. That was yeah, um, but that that way that way he really became proficient in understanding defenses while also becoming proficient understanding offenses. And I think that was like super important. It's almost like in basketball when you have, you know, a kid who is projected to be super tall and they make him play point guard. And then you have like a, a joker situation where they become seven footer, but they can, you know, I just think that that was like something that he did for him that really sets him apart. And like you said, he was able to dissect TCU and we're talking about a team that obviously they lost some guys to the NFL but was just in the national championship last year like this is not this is not like a a cupcake game for Colorado like this was against a good program that has consistently been good for the past like five or six years and I I think that like I was telling David I think their depth is gonna what's is what's really gonna hurt them throughout the season in situations but if they yeah. could perform like this and they could continue to develop and grow, like this is a, this well, is well, and all these guys are young too. They uh, they have a lot of underclassmen, so this isn't just going to be a one and done kind of season. Um, Travis Hunter was beyond impressive. 
Um, I mean, I, I think he could stop playing right now and still be the number one pick in the 2025 draft. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think he's that good. Um, he could, he, he could be a game changer. I, I, I think once he gets to the NFL, they're going to make him pick, okay, do you want to play cornerback or wide receiver? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see him. Shohei can pitch and play offense at the same time. No, it's it's different because football is is so much more physically demanding. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's that's but what I told David too. I was like, I just don't know either how way he's gonna be able to play both sides. Um, and at least for this year, but probably while he's yeah. at Colorado, because um, he's what a sophomore now, so he's got at least one or two years. I think I think they're gonna have to make him pick, and like, I, I mean, I'm he was more, recruited as a cornerback. Yeah. So. But honestly, like he's a nice wide receiver, and like, and he's very explosive, and and if he can develop there, I think that might be where he might want to lean. But at the if, same see, time, see if I were him, I would pick wide receiver because there, there's a lot of nice wide receivers that are, you know, will have a good career in the NFL, but they're never like mentioned as like the elite of the elite. Yeah, I feel like if he dials in and focuses at cornerback, he could be he could be up there with Sauce Gardner and, and everybody else that's you know regarded as a top cornerback in football. Um, but like honestly, who knows like if he gets to the NFL and they go like hey pick your primary spot, but then you could still play like 20, 20 snaps on the other side of the ball or something like that. You know what I mean? I just don't I don't think it's probable that he could continue to play a hundred to hundred and fifty snaps a game and then no be fresh and not have injury. And like, I, I just think that this year he's going to do that. But once they get more people in there and they get more recruits in there, I think even Dion's going to have to look at that situation and be like, what's best for this kid and what can I do for his future? And where does he fit best to, you know, make it to the NFL? And, but yeah, so like I said, and... it's, a, it's a cool story. Like if I was telling David, if he could finish the season with over a thousand receiving yards, maybe like 10 receiving touchdowns, maybe seven or eight picks around like 50 or 60 tackles, maybe 20, 25 pass deflections. I think if he could be right around there in those stats, that's a guy that you could look at Heisman wise where you're like, he should pretty much have it locked down. Um, yeah. And never when seen I anybody really do it, when I joined, you were talking about um, at, you were talking about coach prime. And and how he could become one of the best coaches in college football. I completely agree with you for everything that you said, but also, you know, it, it takes, you know, someone that has the knowledge of the game and the ability to recruit. But I think what really sets him apart is his leadership skills. Yeah. And yeah. the the ability to not only teach these these young kids, but hold them accountable and mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, be an amazing leader. Yeah, I, I, you know, you could have the, you could have the the greatest recruiting abilities on the planet. You can have, you know, the the best knowledge of the game, but if you can't teach it to your team and you can't motivate your team, then, you know, you're you'd be a great front office guy, but you're not a good locker room guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think his ability to lead people wherever he goes, you know, NFL. Jackson State, Colorado, probably going to move on to like, you know, Alabama or something after this. But um, wherever he goes, his ability to lead is what's going to cause him to be successful wherever he goes. Yeah. And he reminds me a lot of uh, like Mike Tomlin, like that 
that guy, like obviously Mike Tomlin didn't have anywhere near the career that Deion Sanders had in football. But I think when you talk about a guy who is able to cultivate the relationships that he cultivates, you know, had always has the locker room's ear and is able to motivate people beyond the point where you think that they can perform. I think Dion yep. has all of those abilities and he can, like you, like we had that, you know, we both said he can recruit at such a high level because of who he is. And, you know, just the little things like, I don't know if you guys saw that he doesn't put C's on the, his players jerseys for captains. He has L for leader. And then I think, what was it? D for dog. Like, yeah, just, just those like little things that, you know, some people might be like, well, that's just kind of stupid, but it's not though, because it, it means something different to those guys. And it means more than just, Oh, I'm just a captain. I'm leader. You know what I mean? Like these are these are titles that he's giving people. And who knows? He could just keep creating whatever he wants because he can do whatever he wants to do. But it just yeah. means more to these guys. It, it gives a different, you know, feel and idea of what's going on in that locker room. And, and it'll be very interesting to see and watch. So did you have anything else you wanted to add to it, David? No, not really. I think you guys just summed it up perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dom, did you want to give a, a quick like couple sentence opinion on Ohio State's game. Um I think David David said what I said I was worried. Um and David said I was disappointed. Disappointed. So did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? I'm trying to think of another adjective, I guess <laughs> underwhelmed. Yeah. Um the, I think the defense played well. Yeah. But and I think not picking a corner or a quarterback earlier in camp really set back both guys. In their in their development and and preparation for this game, can I can I be um, honest with you? I actually don't think it mattered if he picked one. I I don't believe in either one of them right now. Like I could be I could be proven wrong, but when I watched this, even when yeah. I watched the spring game, um, that guy that transferred in, I forget his name, but he even played better than Kyle McCord did. Um, I know he's been in college football longer, but like it. It was just one of those things that, like, when I watch Kyle McCord play, it just looks so uninspired. Like, it just, yeah. it just feels, it feels weird. Like, I know, and I told David this, so I said CJ didn't have the greatest start to his Ohio State career, but like, even it felt like he could become great. You know what I mean? And I do think he became a great quarterback for Ohio State, but it just doesn't feel like Kyle McCord is going to be great. And then he beat out Devin Brown, which almost makes me feel like Devin Brown just isn't going to be great either. So, I, well, Devin I'm, Brown's also a lot younger. Um, McCord's what a redshirt junior, and Brown's what a redshirt freshman or true freshman. Yeah, I think what really yeah. hurt that quarterback room and what hurt that this team is that Quinn Ewers transferred out so early. I think that yeah. if if they this, were this able- would be his team right now. Yeah, if they were able to keep a hold of him, I think that he would be running away with this team. And and what sucks is I, I just really I hope... that, that's what you're going to see in college football now. These kids, you know, these high recruits that are freshmen, you're not going to want to sit behind a junior or a senior for one year. Yeah, or a, a sophomore for two years. They're gonna they're gonna sit realize okay, I'm not going to be playing for a year, so they're going to go where they can play sooner which really they, they should have thought of that before they recruited in the first place or before they committed in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, Ewers went to Texas and is he starting there right now? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. like the because I know he started last year, but I know he got injured like part of the yeah. way through the year, I think. So, but I mean, mm-hmm. he's like I said, we'll have to see what he looks like this year. I mean, it was either it is what it is, but I don't know. It's week one. You know, if I'm Ohio State, looking at that Texas quarterback room, they got Archie Manning back there. <laughs> if they can, <laughs> if they can poach Archie Manning and be like, "Hey, you can come start for us right now." Yeah, I. I also, I were you concerned about? Marvin Harrison Jr. or is that more of just the quarterback play? I think it's more of a quarterback play than it is Marvin Harrison Jr. And that's what I was gonna say. I think, I think quarterback play is gonna hurt uh, Harrison and um, and Buka's draft stock. I think that's really what we're gonna see. Is like if people are gonna draft Marvin Harrison Jr., they're gonna have to be like, well, when he actually had a decent quarterback, this is what he looked like. You know what I mean? So like. And I- like most people will understand that, and that's why I don't think his draft stock's gonna fall too far. No, but I do think I do think he could go from being like the number two pick to being like somewhere closer to ten. You know what I mean? I just think that that's that's where we could see because other guys could jump up above. You know what I mean? Just because they've they all have better seasons. But the one thing I will say I was disappointed with is I think Travion Henderson is not the guy. I think that they need to figure out a different guy in the running back room, but. Again, that offensive line. Another guy that played uh, was it Mayan Williams. Well, Mayan Williams is a goal line guy, and the other guy that actually had like seven point ones a carry was um, Trainum. Uh, so yeah. at the the running back room, the wide receiver room, they're filled with five star recruits. So I you plug and play. You know, Henderson's not playing well. All right, kick him out. Throw in another five star recruit. That's kind of what they did. So, but also, yeah. like, I think there's a lot of question marks on that offensive line because they have three or four. I think they have three or four new starters on that offensive line. So, it's, and that's always going to happen when you lose a lot of guys. But I, I, I think the quarterback is the bigger concern. I'm not not too concerned about the offensive line. They'll figure it out. It takes a couple weeks to to build your, you know, repertoire with everybody else. Um, but I, it doesn't matter how how good or bad the offensive line is if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not doing you're not doing anything. Yeah. Um, but I also so that, told that's David my too, biggest like, concern. Yeah, I also told David too like they it's not like they played a scrub team. You know what I mean? Like Indiana's not obviously they're not going to win a national championship, but they're still a decent team. Like they have a, they, they, have a good... they always play Ohio State hard. Too. Yeah, so it's like I'm I'm a little worried, but I'm not going to say I'm in panic mode now because it was a Big Ten matchup. Indiana is not a cupcake team to play. Like they're going to play a, a good hard game. So I think hopefully. Well, now two... if we see this team continue to struggle against who do they have? What next? Uh, Youngstown State or something? Yeah, they've like two cupcake games in a row. So yeah. if we see them, probably we'll definitely still win, but have it be a little bit more difficult than than what we expected. Then, then yeah, I would start sounding the alarms. But right now, it's like all right, you had one, not even bad, but mediocre game. Yeah, and you it's know, week one. Teams are going to have that, you know, week one earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. But if this continues, then then I would start to be concerned. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on to quarter three. Um, for quarter three, we're going to talk about current topics within the NFL. So this week we just have two. Uh, the first one is if you guys were a GM, how would you handle this like running back contract situation? I'll go ahead and start with David. Honestly, I would still play. I would still pay 
the running backs because while they may not be the main focus of the offense, they can still be a massive part of it. Because when you think about it, what's the one thing that defenses look for? They're going to go for the wide receivers. That's what almost any defensive coordinator is going to try and focus on because it's a pass-heavy offense. And on top of that, it gives you another option for receiving back. So while they may not, I may not pay them like the equivalent to a wide receiver, I still think that they should be paid because you can play them as a two, two-way player, basically. You can play them as a wide receiver if need be, but you can also put it on the ground too because it's like, like I said, defenses are not set up for a running play, basically. They're expecting the quarterback to throw it. Yeah, and it, this will this will say before I pass it on to Dom, I, and, you know, I'll let Dom kind of go off of our two opinions on it and see what he thinks, but I do agree that the running back position is still important to a team, right? But I almost feel like it's important in specialty situations. So a receiving back, a goal line slash power back. So he's going to get you short yarded situations, goal line situations. And then your main back who is a little bit more elusive can hit the hole with some speed and some power. And that's going to be your main guy. Um, I think there are very few running backs in the league that actually deserve big time money um, just because of how explosive they are. But if I'm a general manager, I'm looking at it in a situation where I think that the running back contracts to help them be more compensated, but also help teams stay safe is to shorten the years of it. I think instead of looking at running back contracts and being like, I'm going to give you a five or six year extension. I think that at the most they get a three year extension, but I'm also, I, I honestly like this one or two year deal that they're giving these running backs. I think that that is a really smart thing for the guys, but also for the team. I think that you cap it at 11 million per year is the top end. But I, the reason that you do that is because you fully guarantee it. You give them less per year, but you fully guarantee it. Um, and you give them a shorter amount of years on a contract. I think that's what I would lean towards. I think that'd be super enticing for running backs. It's a fully guaranteed contract, so it doesn't matter what happens. Um, and it's shorter years, so every every couple of years you can renegotiate it. But if you're a team and you're in a situation where you have an Ezekiel Elliott, right? They gave him that deal, but realistically, they only had another, what, two, three years that were really quality out of him, and then they had to eat another two or three years of that contract, at least two of it. Um, I think that if they had only given him a two-year deal, I think they could have reevaluated it and been like, oh, maybe we give you another two-year deal, and then maybe they really only have to eat one year, but it's not that bad because they release him anyway, right? So I think that's where the running back contract should go. And that way the running backs feel compensated. And then that way the teams don't feel like, you know, they're mortgaging their financial future on these guys and hoping that they don't get hurt. You know, there's not very many guys like Derrick Henry who can rush for 300 times in a season and not really have that many injuries. You know, there's not that, there's not really that many guys in the league. So 
I don't know. What do you think, Dom? I definitely agree more with Nick on this. Um, just because of how easily replaceable running backs are. And it seems like every year, I mean, you look at um, what's his name from the Chiefs. He was the seventh round pick. Like, you don't need to be. Was you Isaiah can find Panko? talent at the. Hmm? Isaiah Panko? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Pacheco, Pacheco or something like you that. Can, yeah. You can find talent in the draft and at the running back position really anywhere. And really, when you're drafting these guys, they're already in their prime. Like, like your prime running years are really spent in college. So by the time you get to the NFL, like you're already at your prime, and then after your rookie contract, like you're you're done. There's a reason why running backs by the time you're 27, everyone's looking at you like, mm, how, how much longer does he got left on him? And then you're out of the league by your 30. So all of these guys. You know, they, they spend five years on their rookie deal. And by then, like the their treads already worn on their tires, like they're they're done, which is why you're not seeing these guys get paid. So if I'm a GM, like I'm not I'm not giving out a Zeke like contract unless the NFL changes how the rookie contracts are structured to maybe where it's a, a one or two year contract um, coming out of college. And then it allows these running backs to really maximize their earning potential earlier in their career and get paid while they're still at their prime. Um, but as the NFL is currently situated, like I can, the only running back that I would really give a long-term deal to is Nick Chubb. I mean, you, you look at Jonathan Taylor, he's, you know, he's got some issues that, that he's going through and he he's already, he had a down year last year. Is that going to continue? We don't know. It seems like the, these running backs, once once they have one bad year, they don't really recover and, and become what they were unless you're Christian McCaffrey, and that was just injury. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I think the running back positions, it's going to be running back by committee. Teams are going to have three, four running backs that they're going to rotate in depending on the situation, um, and then that's it. They're going to be guys that are making, you know, maybe at best four or five mil, but then everyone else is going to be making, you know, somewhere near or a little above the league minimum. And that's probably going to be it. Do you, do you guys think that maybe a change should be made in the CBA to allow guys who play the running back position to enter the NFL earlier? I know it's like you have to play three years of college um, do you think, I, I guess it could, you could get into like some sticky waters where maybe somebody reclassifies yeah, so, themselves as a running back. But I think if, if you were to say like, Hey, you know, the past, if you have to play at least two seasons in college football and pr- primarily the majority of your snaps have to be played at the running back position, um, you could put a percentage on it if you wanted to. Um, and then you could enter the draft a year earlier than everybody else. And then that, like you said, that that gives them an extra year of their prime. You know what I mean? Maybe then teams feel a little bit better about when they go to that second contract. Maybe they feel a little bit better about extending them, you know, four years. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'm just the, trying the to think. The problem of I have with that, better. and I've heard people have that idea before, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not totally against it. I understand the thinking behind it. My only concern is, well, where do you draw the line then? Because as soon as you allow it for running backs, 
well, then eventually other positions are going to be like, well, you let running backs join early. Why can't you let wide receivers, running backs, cornerbacks? And it's going to get to the point where, well, if you allow one, well, it's hard to not allow it for everybody else. So then at that point, everyone's going to go to the NFL out of college, and that's that's not good. You don't want that. Um, so I it, I really think the easiest and most logical way is just to alter the rookie contract scale for running backs coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe just maybe just shorten it. Be like, sorry. Yeah, just shorten instead said. of you know, let's say you take a running back in the first round. Well, then that's that's a four to five year contract. But if you change it to where it's maybe a two to three or like three years if you're a first round pick and two years if you're a second round pick and what and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think that will allow players like Jonathan Taylor to get a bigger contract. Um, Saquon Barkley would have already gotten paid probably a couple years ago. Um, all these guys that, you know, really should be paid more than what they are would have gotten paid. Um, but the way that the league is structured right now, like usually I'm on, I'm on the side of the players. And like, I'm always for players getting what they deserve. But in this situation, like it's, it's hard to justify it, especially at running back where the lifespan is really the shortest in the NFL. Um, it, it's hard to justify giving big money to a guy that's going to be out of the league in two years. Yeah. I almost feel like you should, they should just take away the fifth year option for everybody and they should shorten the initial contract. Like you said, for running backs, it should be three years for first round picks for running backs. You know what I mean? I think I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that that would help out a lot. And then you're looking at a guy who's maybe only 24 years old by the time he gets an extension. And like you said, they hit 27, 28. People pretty much look at them like they're senior citizens. So they get like a nice little four or five year extension at 24 years old, get some money. They're still in their prime. Maybe towards the end of that contract, they start to decline. There's not as much guaranteed money on that deal. They can either cut or trade a guy. You know what I mean? So, I mean, look at, look at um, Kareem Hunt. He's 27, but look at how he ran last year. Like you can definitely tell that he he's really slowed down and he's yeah. only 27. Like he's not going to all of a sudden become Kansas City Kareem Hunt again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, David, do you have anything else to add to this before we move on? No, not really. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on to our second topic here in our current topics from the NFL section. And uh, just like a a little fun thing that I wanted to throw out for you guys. There have been like a couple rumors that, you know, the Rams are either going to try to stick it out this year and maybe add some more talent next year, or uh, they might just blow up the team. Uh, first, would you do that? And then second, if you had no choice, who would you trade and and what would you try to get back for them? So we'll go ahead and uh, get that first question out of the way. Uh, we'll start with David. All right. So, I didn't really answer the second one, to be honest with you. So I have no idea who I would trade. But okay. <laughs> um, to answer the first one, yeah, because ever since they won the Super Bowl, they haven't really done anything. They won the Super Bowl and then pretty much jumped off a cliff for the most part. So they haven't really said we haven't really seen anything that would have justified trying to keep this team together. And even if they did, 
try and keep this team together and try to be younger or add any help, the front office hasn't done shit for this team. Like, at all. And if they have, those players haven't done anything. So, to me, I would at least. I won't know about what you guys say. Yeah, for... For me, it's it's tough because it's it's yes and no. I think um, <laughs> I think when you look at their roster, it's bad, like it's it's bad. And really, when you look at who has value on that roster, there's maybe one, two, three, four, five, six guys that I have with any kind of value that could get anything back. So you almost kind of look at it like, is it worth blowing it up, or do we just kind of stick the year out and hope that we can go into the off season and pull in some veterans and compete for another Super Bowl another year after that, right? Because obviously their cap space isn't going to be great and, you know, they're going to start getting their picks back, but they're still in a situation where they just haven't been able to add any youth into this roster. And I think that's their biggest problem. Um, I think Stafford's still a pretty big question mark on whether or not he's going to be fully healthy and ready to go. But for me, if I had no choice to blow it up, I mean, obviously you have to trade Cup, you have to trade Donald. I think Cam Akers is on his way out. Van Jefferson's on his way out. Uh, Tyler Higby's on his way out. And I think Jordan Fuller's on his way out. I think those are the only guys that have any value to get anything back. I think the only person you get a first round draft pick for is maybe Cooper cup, but with now his injury, I don't know if somebody would be willing to give it up, but you know, Cooper cups, a guy I would look for to get a first and maybe two thirds out of that would be the package for him. Aaron Donald, you got to at least get a second and a third. Maybe if you can get a couple late round picks in there as well too, for that Uh, cam Akers is a guy that you could, get a third out of but i don't think you're getting gonna get anything higher maybe you could get a couple late round picks attached to that third as well too van jefferson um and jordan fuller is another two other players that you could get a third out of but i don't think you're gonna get anything higher um and then tyler higby is a late round pick kind of guy um so i I just think that if you're going to try to restock your picks that's going to be the best way to do it i think you take stafford and you just redshirt him for the year depending on what his injury is like, and you see what kind of quarterback you have in Stetson Bennett for the year. Um, And if Stetson Bennett can be the future, I think if we were forced to rebuild this team, that's how I would do it. But I honestly probably wouldn't just because I just don't think you're going to get back what's really going to be worth doing it. Just take your lumps for the year and try to retool going into next season. I don't know what you think, Dom. I, I agree with you. It, if if I'm the GM of the Rams, I'm trading everybody that has some sort of value. Um, what really hurts Cooper Cup is his injuries, and everybody knows he's very injury prone. So that's going to hurt his trade value. Um, Matt Stafford, you're stuck with him for another two years. You're not going to be able to move him at all. Um, not even a team that that's desperate for a quarterback. You think they're they're not going to take him? So you're stuck with Stafford, but you can trade, you could trade Cup, you could trade Cup, and you could trade Cam Akers, but he uh, maybe get you a fourth or a fifth. Yeah. Um, but even that, even that fourth or a fifth is going to be more valuable to the team going forward than what Cam Akers could give you. Yeah. Um, because I mean he's he's a younger running back. 
but he's never been an, an electric guy where you're like, okay, we need to keep him around and, and give him a contract. Like he's not going to be considered for a longer term contract. He's a guy that you can easily replace with a running back in the fifth round. Um, Aaron Donald, you may be able to to trade him to a contender, but at his age and the fact that he, he's already considered retiring a couple times, um, what's the return that you're going to be able to get from him? You hope a second, but honestly, probably a third, um, just because he's so late into his career. Um, and even that, the market for him is going to be the Chiefs, um, maybe the Eagles, or, or a team that's that's really one piece away from winning a Super Bowl. Um, and I, I don't know if you can really just redshirt Stafford, considering he's making, what, $20 million this year? And then 40, no, he's making, yeah, $49 million in 2024 and then 50 in, in 2025. I only um, I only said that just because if you could garner, you know, a good stash of picks for this next draft and then you could go into this next offseason and and have some money to spend, I think you could turn around and build a team around him and if he's healthy, then maybe you can make another push, but it's it's a lot of I think it's a lot of big ifs. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a lot of big ifs. I think there's there's too many holes on this team to really think that okay, in one off season through the draft, we can retool and and build a contender. Um, this isn't the the Rams of a couple years ago when they traded for Matt Stafford that was really just one piece away. This this team is in need of a complete rebuild, and ideally, you can you know see what you you have at Stetson Bennett and with how injury-prone Stafford is now, Bennett's probably going to be getting a lot of playing time this year. So you, you'll you'll really be able to see what you have in him going forward. And I mean, I know he's an older rookie, but he's still only 25. Like, we're we're all older than, than Stetson Bennett is. And with how... Don't remind me. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. That, that, that pained me to say that. But you, you look at how late quarterbacks are playing now. Like, you're, you're seeing Aaron Rodgers at 40. Tom Brady played to leave as well. 42. So yeah, he's 25, but he has a good 12 to 15 year career ahead of him. If, if he really plays as, as a top level quarterback. So, you know, I would, I would see what you have in him and, you know, maybe around the trade deadline, they can do a little bit of a, of a fire sale and go into the off season with a lot of salary cap space and some picks and, start to reboot the team. Like you, you're not going to go from last to, to first, but you can start building a, a good core to, to really develop long-term. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I think they're going to try to go out there and win games the first half of the season, but maybe that second half, like you said, they do a little bit of a fire sale and uh, I don't know. We kind of just see what that team looks like. So Let's go ahead and move into our quarter four here. This is where we're going to have our projections uh, for the upcoming week. Or in this situation, I have a little bit more of a of a too soon, too early award predictions for the NFL. But uh, because we are in Ohio and we have a couple Browns fans on the show here, uh, who do you think wins uh, this week between the Browns and the Bengals, guys? We'll go ahead and start with Dom. 
I, I think this game is of the week one game is one of the hardest to pick. Um, historically, Deshaun Watson hasn't played great in week one. Um, and neither have the Browns for, for that matter. Um, but I think the talent on both sides is there. If the Browns can get a good game from Deshaun Watson and the defense shows more of what it did in the preseason, like it can be of, very, very good defense, even without Denzel Ward out there. I think this is going to be a close game. And, I mean, honestly, I can see the game coming down to a last-second field goal from either team. Like, you, you can tell me that the the, the Bengals won on, on a walk-off kickoff or not walk-off field goal, and you can tell me that the Browns won on a, a walk-off kick field goal, and I would believe you. Um, if I had to pick a team to win – I know I may be a homer saying this, but I, I think the Browns have a little bit more talent on the team just because of what the Bengals lost in the offseason on that defense. I would kind of give the the Browns the edge there. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think the I think the Browns win this one. I don't think it's by a big margin, but I just think the uncertainty around Burrow's injury, I think the uncertainty around their defense. I think that gives me just enough that the Browns could squeak out like a field goal touchdown win in this game. Um, and then Joe Burrow just has problems beating the Browns. So I think that's that just adds to it. Um, and I think the Browns are healthy. So anytime the Browns defense is healthy, they they are a really good defense. So um, yeah, obviously, I think what they have a new defensive coordinator this year. So we have to kind of see what that looks like. But they have a lot of talent on that team. They have a new um, defensive coordinator and a, and a really revamped defensive line. Like yeah. it's no longer just Miles Garrett and, you know, the USFL All-Stars. Not even the <laughs> USFL All-Stars. It's, <laughs> it, it's Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith and Obo Okoronkwo and um Good job. Oh my God, what's the the guy that they signed? The defensive tackle that they signed. Um, anyway, they 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 really focused on the defensive line this yeah. offseason, which was their their biggest weakness. Um, so I'm really excited what what this defense can do um, in Jim Schwartz's scheme. Yeah, uh, David, what do you got? I think that on paper the Browns could definitely win, but like Dom said, he. The the team has never really done well week one ever. Um so until I can actually see this for myself, I'm gonna have to say the be the opposite of you guys and say the Bengals. Because it's like if this is just the history of me, you guys know I love history. And it's like historically speaking, the Browns have not done anything week one so until they can actually do something that other than saying hey here's a piece of paper we should win outside of that i can't really say with confidence that the browns can win and we'll say that we did win last year week one um but i mean historically yeah the browns have just not been a good team um but i i do think that this is a really good team so i if any Browns team is going to kind of change the script on, you know, the Browns being a perennial week one loser, I think it's this team. Oh, for sure. But until I actually see it, I'm going to stick with the Bengals for right now. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the the Bengals do kind of fall flat week one to a lot. I mean, you kind of saw them lose to a Steelers team they shouldn't have lost to last year in week one. So I don't know. We'll see. It's it, It'll be very interesting um, if the Bengals get off to another slow start this year. I think the Browns have, have a really good chance of winning this game. I think it'll be a fun game. It, it, it's a good matchup week one. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Impromptu question, but since we're talking about the Bengals, do you think this year we'll finally see that Joe Burrow has been carrying Zach Taylor as, as a head coach, or do you think it's the other way around? You won't know. You won't, you won't ever I, see it until they're not together. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, let's say hypothetically, knock on wood, I don't want this to happen, but let's say Joe Burrow gets injured or. I don't know. I I just think Zach Taylor's overrated as a head coach. I I really think he's being carried by by Joe Burrow. So I I think I think I think everything works out for a reason, right? I mean, we look at Bill Belichick as one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I don't think that that's wavered even without Tom Brady. But look at how unsuccessful he's been since Tom Brady left. And I just I think it. As a head coach, as much as it is on you to have good scheme and to be, you know, able to be a leader of men, I think it also is just depicted on having good players. I think Coach Prime said this, like, it doesn't matter about scheme fit or it doesn't matter about cohesiveness. You just have to have good guys. (laughs) So I think that that is a big part of it, too. Like Joe Burrow, talent wise, he is a phenomenal quarterback and you know, there is a little bit of a worry that we have another Andrew Luck situation in our hands where we have a generational talent at quarterback that can they cannot keep upright and he can't stay healthy because of it. Um, so they have to figure that out. They have to rectify that. And I don't care if they don't keep, you know, a, one of those wide receivers. You got to pick one and pay that offensive line. Figure out how to put the best offensive line in front of him and he'll make everything else work. You know what I mean? I think that was the that's that's what people forget is like, yes, having all these flashy weapons are fun, but if your quarterback has two seconds to throw the ball, it it doesn't matter what you have because they're not going to have enough time to figure out who to throw to. So, so I, I think T. Higgins will be gone. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and move into our second topic. So this is just quick, guys. We're going to round off our picks here, and then if somebody says something – you know, that you think is just completely out of pocket, we'll go ahead and stop and have a conversation about it, okay? Um, But we're going to go ahead and give our way too early uh, awards predictions for the NFL. So we're going to give our MVP uh, winner, um, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie, Defensive Rookie, Coach of the Year, our prediction for Super Bowl participants, and then our Super Bowl winner. So this is just right off the bat before everything starts, and then we'll probably do it again around the midseason, and we'll kind of see if we changed our answers. So try to keep your answers written down or somewhere um, that you can remember it. But let's go ahead and go around. We'll, uh, We'll go David, Dom, and then myself. So we'll go ahead and start with MVP. David, what do you got? You know what? I'm actually going to go on a limb here and say Aaron Rodgers. He has a solid team around him. I think that this New York Jets team actually was a pretty decent team last year, but because they had a really crappy quarterback and leadership on offense, they, they couldn't do anything with it. All right. All right. Dom, what do you got? Um, MVP, it's hard to not pick Patrick Mahomes every year, but I could really see Jalen Hurts taking another step forward. 
Um, I think he was in the, the MVP conversation last year. I don't see why that doesn't continue with another year of Devonta Smith really developing and having A.J. Brown. Um, they're still going to be – I think they're the best team in the NFC. I think Jalen Hurts is is really going to take yet another step forward and really solidify himself as one of the best quarterbacks of the league and a guy that really should get some MVP considerations. Okay. I, I do like that. He's, he's a guy that I thought about, and obviously with all those weapons, like it's going to be hard not to be good. Well, and it's not just the – not just him having all the weapons, but the fact that his ability to improvise is so great. Yeah. Like he can, he can really make something out of nothing. Really. I think his improvisation skills are at the same level as Patrick Mahomes. Um, that word in three times fast. I can't. That's why I stumbled the first time. <laughs> um <laughs> Obviously, I think Patrick Mahomes has the best arm talent out of any quarterback in the league. Um, but that that's not to say that Jalen Hurts is, is a scrub when it comes to, to arm talent. Um, I think he's he's up there with the best of them. Um, but I think what really sets him apart is his athleticism and ability to run the ball, too. Um, so yeah, I, I see him as a better version of what everyone thought Lamar Jackson is or could be. Um, obviously he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson, but he's still able to really change the game with his legs, but his, his ability to throw the ball is just so much better than what Lamar Jackson can do. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm on the same page as David Aaron Rodgers. uh, earlier in the episode, we acted about, we talked about what, uh, our favorite or what we thought was the best offseason moves. And I think the jets getting Aaron Rodgers was the best offense or offseason move. I should say. Um, and I think with that team, and I think he still has a lot of a lot of juice left in the tank there. I think he goes out and wins another MVP. Um, and yeah, I, I just I don't know. I just I had that feeling, and I don't know. David and I were on the same page, so maybe that's a bad thing. I I, I don't know. <laughs> um, David, who do you got for offensive player of the year? You know what? I'm gonna go Jamar Chase. Okay. Yes. He's had solid seasons pretty much every year that he's been with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that he's going to have another good one. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Wide receiver. All right, Dom, who you got for offensive player of the year? That That's tough because I think there's really a lot of guys that could be in consideration for this. But first thing that popped into my head was Justin Jefferson. Okay. I, th- I, think, I think he's already the – best wide receiver in the game. Um, And last year he was just unbelievable. And I don't think there's any reason to to doubt his ability to going forward to really just continue what he did last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to go three for three on wide receivers for offensive player of the year. I'm going to go with one that might surprise you, but I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. I think in tandem, with my MVP pick, I think Garrett Wilson is going to be a touchdown machine this year. Um, just from what you saw in the preseason, that one preseason game that he got to play with Aaron Rodgers and just kind of watching training camp uh, videos, it looks like they have a good connection, um, especially when it comes to the red zone. So it'll be very interesting to see if that continues throughout the season. But I don't know. I just have this weird feeling that we're going to get the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year from the Jets, and they're going to put up a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns together. So it'll be very interesting. Um, David, who you got for Defensive Player of the Year? Um, 
surprisingly, despite the fact that I don't like the Cowboys, I'm going to go Micah Parsons. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Dom, what do you got? I'm going to go Miles Garrett. He's been in consideration for Defensive Player of the Year for the past couple of years. Um, I think he deserved it, you know, one of the last couple of years. I think you could have made a good argument for him to win it. Um, I think with how good this defense is and how perfect Miles Garrett fits in this scheme that's really going to allow him to, to get after the quarterback, I think he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to be Defensive Player of the Year this year. Yeah, that's a good pick. And honestly, he's not going to be double teamed as lot as much. So it's going to give him more opportunities to get to the quarterback. And I think that's really um, what's going to benefit that situation if he can have a lot of sacks. Um, I'm going to go with TJ Watt. I think that's a guy that I think consistently is going to be the best defensive player going forward in the league. Um, not to say anything bad about Miles Garrett, but I just think TJ Watt, not only can he get to the quarterback, but he is super efficient at causing fumbles. And I think if he can stay healthy and he can continue to get to the quarterback, cause fumbles, maybe get an interception or two like he normally does in a season, I think that he is going to put himself right back in defensive player of the year consideration. I think he would have won it um, if he were healthy last year. He was on pace. So I just think that this is a guy that does a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And that Steelers team has a lot of pass rushers that people have to worry about. So again, he doesn't really have, he doesn't get double teamed as much. Um, and when he does, he's able to get through those. So I, that's, that's who I have as, as defensive player. Of the year. I do like Michael Parsons though. I do like him as like a breakout, like here he is on the scene to, to challenge, you know, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa as like a premier pass rusher, defensive player. Um, but I just don't believe in the Cowboys as a whole, so <laughs> I don't know if I can and believe in Micah Parsons. I don't believe in the Cowboys. I, it, I don't believe in the Cowboys as a team, but I believe in how good Micah Parsons is. Like, yeah. it, it's undeniable how how amazing he is as a player. Um, but I don't think Nick Bosa is going to be anywhere near defensive player of the year this year because who knows when he's going to play. No, yeah, um, that's that's what I was saying. But still, like as a, as a talent wise, when you think of like yeah. the best pass rushers in the league and the best defensive players in the league, like those three guys outside of Miles, uh, outside of um, Michael Parsons that I that I listed, those are th- three guys that people look at, at as the best. Um, and I think Aaron Donald is still in that con- conversation as top ten, even though he's he's older. I think he still affects games in ways that matter. Um, but I, I just think that Micah Parsons, if he could take that next step, I, I think that he could take his rifle spot in, in that conversation. So um, who do you guys have as offensive rookie of the year? David? I'm going to go out and say Jamar Gibbs. Okay. Running back. I like it. I like it. Uh, Dom, what do you got? I was thinking Gibbs. I'm going to go with Bajon Robinson. Okay. I agree. I I had a, uh, it's either Bijan or Bajan. I think his mom says Bajan, so we'll go with what his mom wants. Um, I'm wow. going to go with Bajan Robinson as well, too. I, I just think he's going to get such a high volume that that's why he's going to get Offensive Rookie of the Year, not necessarily that he's going to be the best or most explosive rookie of the year, but I do think he has the opportunity to be both. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think he can be both. Not only is he going to get the volume just because of, well, we don't really know what the Falcons quarterback situation is going to be, Um it's Desmond well, Ritter, baby. Cincinnati. It, <laughs> yeah, okay. 
All right. Yeah. Well, that's that's a topic for another episode. But um, <laughs> I think his his talent will be able to maximize the volume that that he's going to get, and I, I really think he's going to have an amazing season. Yeah. Because if we had that discussion, you guys be circle argument. You're arguing arguing your guys is night. David, there all is night. no argument. Desmond Ritter is the next greatest quarterback of all time. All right, who's your defensive rookie now, of the year, see, David? he says that <laughs> knowing that he doesn't actually believe what he's saying, but he just wants to stir the pot. So I'm not, I'm not even going to take the bait on that because I know he doesn't actually you believe You already that. did. You already did no, because you responded. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> uh, David, who is your <laughs> way too early pick for defensive rookie of the year? Give me Jalen Carter. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to let Dom say anything. I agree. Dom, who do you got? I was going to say, I think it's either going to be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Yeah. Um, really, either of those guys, I, I think, are great picks for it. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there's someone that we're, you know, we're kind of overlooking that just has a really breakout season. That is fair. The only reason I said Jalen Carter was just because I feel like there's already a lot of good, solid players on that defense. And I think he's going to yeah. have the ability to get free a little bit more. And he's going to have the ability to learn um, from those guys. And he's going to grow a little bit faster than than Will Anderson. I think Will Anderson's going to struggle a little bit because he'll get free at times, but they're going to double team him a lot because there's just nothing else on that defense that really people are worried about other than him. So, And it does depend yeah. on, what, on how he handles that as a rookie. So. Um, David, who's your coach of the year candidate? You know what? I might be going out on a limb, but considering how the team performed better last year, I'm going to say Dan Campbell. It's a good pick. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. David, or not David, Dom, what do you got? I'm going to agree Dan Campbell. I think this is one of the better feel-good stories of the league, at least the Lions were last year. Um, They finally have a coach that, you know, they can really just be a good coach, you know, that's not trying to do too much. It's not Matt Patricia. Awesome. I, I think the strides that we saw the Lions take last year, I think they're going to continue it. And I, I think the culture that Dan Campbell's built there is is really good. And I think the Lions will make the playoffs. I think they'll probably win the division, depending on on how good Jordan Love is. Um but I think Jordan Love and the Packers, depending on how they play, is really the only team that's kind of standing in the Lions' way at this point. But I, I think if, if the Lions can make the playoffs, Dan Campbell will, will win Coach of the Year. Yeah. I mean, don't count on Minnesota. I understand that they're not necessarily the best overall around team, but I, I mean, still, I'm not counting. I still, I just, I still think that they, they were 13-3 and three last year. I think that Obviously, this division is better than what it was, but the Packers still have a lot of holes. I think that that they would be better off in that third spot. Um, I know people have the Bears as being competitive, but I just don't see that happening. Um, I hope Justin Fields has a good season, but I just don't see them being competitive. I do think that if the Lions were not to win the division, it would be because Minnesota wins it again. But I don't think it's going to be like by a huge margin. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know, but I do. I do like that. Dan Campbell was a guy I thought about, and then, um, oh, who's the New York Giants head coach? Um, I'm drawing a blank. 
whatever. Who cares? He's not going to win it because Daniel Jones is going to suck. But on the off chance that Daniel Jones hey, actually, hey, hey, he had a decent year last year. He, no, he did not. He's not even worth forty million dollars. <laughs> David's worth. I'm not saying he's worth forty million dollars. <laughs> and I've seen but David play Madden at quarterback. <laughs> so, <laughs> David, can let him talk about you like that, David. You're looking at Brian Dable. There you go, Brian Dable. But again, I think if Saquon's healthy, that defense is pretty solid. If if Daniel Jones can take another step and they can win some more games and maybe be that second team in the division um, and make a playoff run, that's a coach that I could see being given credit for that and uh, winning coach of the year. Um, but for my like number one spot is I have Mike Tomlin. And only because... If the Steelers team is as good as everybody thinks it's going to be, that's a huge jump from what they were two seasons ago, right? So I think when you look about coach of the year, coach of the year is usually like not necessarily what team has the best season, but also what team is able to make the biggest jump from where they were. And I think if this team is actually as good as what people think it's going to be, obviously the defense is going to be good, but if offensively they can be as good as what people think they are and they could win, you know, 10, 11, maybe even 12 wins, um, I think that he could be in that conversation for coach of the year. So I don't know. It, it just depends on how good they actually are and, and what this what the division turns out to be because I like, like we've talked about before, we think this division is going to be the hardest division to um, compete in this year, but I don't know it'd be interesting. Uh, David, what's your Super Bowl um, participants this year? Uh, I got the Philadelphia Eagles uh, representing the NFC, and I was going between either the New York Jets or the Kansas City Chiefs representing the AFC. But you know what? I think that considering that Aaron Rodgers now has a decent team around him. I think that it'll actually be the New York Jets. It's it's funny because like I want to be like it's the Jets, no way. But like they do have a good team, and Aaron Rodgers is crazy. So it's just weird to hear. But like, yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, Dom, what do you got? Um, NFC. I agree. The Eagles. I think they're far and away the best team in the NFC. AFC. That that's tough because. I think you can make a legit argument for about seven teams coming out of out of the AFC that they can make the Super Bowl. Um yeah. out looking at the conference, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are probably the favorite. You know what? I'm gonna go crazy here. Cleveland Browns. No. <laughs> I, I I think if things go as planned and Deshaun Watson is the quarterback that that the Browns traded for you. I, I don't, I don't see the yeah. argument against them, at least not being in the argument to, to make the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, if, if we're getting, if the Browns get 80% of what Deshaun Watson was in 2020, you're still looking at a top five quarterback in the league on top of a defense that should probably top be top 10 as well. So you mix a top five quarterback with a top 10 defense you know, I think you have a, a good argument for them to be in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I mean, it again, it's like the Jets thing is like it sounds outrageous because it's the Browns. But no, I mean, I agree. I think everything is depending on Deshaun Watson. And 
Just like how everything with the Jets is depending on Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And for the Browns, I think everything also depends on whether or not those guys in the secondary can stay healthy. If they can I stay think the, healthy. the guy that's really the only injury prone guy is Denzel Ward. And we've seen it. He's missed a lot of time. Um, but really, and the, we, the we've seen guys. The secondary. But we've goes, seen guys step up. And, him, but there's more depth in the secondary now than there has been. And we've seen guys step up in Denzel Ward's absence and play decently. Yeah, I, it'll it'll be interesting. Like I said, I don't. I I do think, like you said, I I agree. If if everything is clicking, that's a team that nobody's going to want to play in the postseason. Um, it's a, it's a team that knows how to play in cold weather, and it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm I'm gonna keep it boring. I'm not gonna go against what we know is the best and what is the standard. And the standard is the Eagles and the Chiefs. And I'm just going to take the safe pick right now and say that we have a Super Bowl rematch. Um, I, I just I think that Patrick Mahomes is clear and above in his own tier of quarterback in the league. I don't think that there's anybody that is in his tier right now when if you were to put him in a tier system. Um, I think – the defense for the Chiefs is a question mark, but that was a question mark last year, and it didn't matter. So I just think that that I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. He falls into that category just like Tom Brady did when Tom Brady played for the Patriots. And then like Dom said, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, and I think that they have a really good chance of going back. I think the only thing that could stand in their way is if Brock Purdy is still that dude and he didn't like fitz magic us for a year you know what i mean like i think like i think i think brock purdy will still be good but i think he'll come back down to earth a little bit um i think he was really up the beneficiary of not only the scheme but teams not having any film on him so if no team has film on you it's easy just to dink and dunk your way down the field with debo samuel and, and um christian mccaffrey but it doesn't. Oh. But it doesn't. If you if you're if you're a great quarterback, you're a great quarterback. It doesn't matter if teams have film on. No, you. I like. I'm not saying he's going to crash and burn and you yeah, know yeah. become you know Case Keenum. But I, I I I think he'll be a respectable quarterback. I just don't think he's going to be you know all world MVP contender Brock Purdy. Listen, if Brock Purdy doesn't work out, they do have Sam Darnold, so not all is lost, okay? If Sam Darnold's taking snaps at quarterback, the, the 49ers have bigger issues than... Listen, the 49ers head coach said that Sam Darnold could be uh, the next Steve Young, so I'll leave it at that one. Um, well, David, yeah. like, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna. He's not gonna say, "Oh, this guy's on my team. He, he's garbage and shouldn't even be in the league." Like, of course, he's gonna say good things about guys on his team. Yeah. Anyway, David, but can we talk about how the 49ers traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance, then traded Trey Lance for what a fifth? No, because I'm trying yeah. to move on to the next topic, Don. <laughs> <laughs> David. Yeah, out man. of your participants, who is gonna win the Super Bowl in your mind? I'd say the Eagles, but okay, yeah. That- Trey Lance was an absolute joke. All right, we're off the rails. We're off the rails, guys. All right, Dom. Always going off the rails. Never on the rails. Let's be honest. Gracious, Dom had what you had the Eagles and in the Browns. I'll go with the Eagles. Okay, copy that. Yep, I would do that too. Um, Eagles Chiefs for me. I think I'm gonna go Patrick Mahomes back to back. I I think uh, 
I think that's uh, that's where I'm at with that one. Obviously, midseason guys, we'll come back with this. We'll look at our list, see where we're at. Maybe everything that we've said has crapped the bed, and uh, we'll change our opinions, or maybe we're close to something. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, we're going to go ahead and move into our overtime drive here, and this is going to be more of our rapid-fire segment. we got some fun little games that we're going to play, like Would You Rather, Factor Cap, um, Will They or Won't They, Contender or Pretender. Uh, did you know? And then who said that? So we won't play all those games every single week, but those are just some fun things that we'll run through real quick. Um, and then this segment's just kind of designed to be pretty quick again, unless uh, somebody says something out of pocket and we want to have a quick conversation about it. Uh, you know, like I said earlier about Desmond Ritter being the next greatest quarterback of all time. So um, if somebody Shut says your something, mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, so this uh, first game we're going to play is Would You Rather. Basically, we're just going to take a player, and it could be any player from the, you know, Patrick Mahomes, or we could go all the way to Desmond Ritter, and and I'll try to find players around there in that caliber, um, and I'll be like, would you rather, you know, have TJ, like this week we have TJ Watt, and it's a would you rather Trey Hendrickson. Give me TJ Watt. You're taking too long, Dom. It's TJ Watt. I don't even. <laughs> well, I, I I thought I thought David froze there for a second, so I thought I was frozen. Um, oh no! <laughs> I don't, see, I don't know because like it's not you don't even know a conversation. Trade... I don't even know why you're thinking about it. It's disrespectful. Yeah, it, right now, yeah, TJ Watt. And not not even in the future. Um, next person on the list: TJ Watt or Nick Bosa. Bosa. Watt. Yeah, Watt. Uh, TJ Watt or Max Crosby? Watt. What do you got? Yeah, Watt. Okay. Yeah, I got Watt too. Um, Watt or Joey Bosa? Watt. Watt. Okay, I got Watt too. And then last one, I know this is going to be tough for Dom, but TJ Watt. Miles Garrett. Or Miles Garrett. Miles Miles Garrett. Garrett. TJ Watt. I think TJ Watt's a better dude. Oh, yeah. Well, surprised that the Steelers fan taking TJ Watt for everything. If If you look back at their stats compared, since because what Miles Garrett came in what a year after TJ 2017, yeah. Well, I think they're a year apart or something like that, or maybe they came in the same. No, year. I think they were in the same draft, maybe they were. But if you look at their stats basically from whenever they started playing in the same time, TJ Watt has consistently put up better statistical seasons than Miles Garrett. Now, I will say this. I'm not saying Miles Garrett isn't a bad player. I think that they're that they're one A and one B, and I think that you could interchange either one of them based on your opinion and based on your scheme. And I think both of them are phenomenal defensive players, and those guys are perennial defensive players in the league right now. I think the one thing that I will say, I think TJ Watts had the benefit of playing with better talent around him on the defensive line. Yeah. Especially earlier in his career than what Miles Garrett had. And I, yeah, Miles Garrett, I, Miles Garrett I was the, the center of like always the double team. It's I, like if I do agree with that, but at Miles the same Garrett time, and the rest of that defense sucks. But at the same time, when you look at those Steelers teams when TJ Watt was first there, he was really the only real pass rusher. Um, in recent years, right, you have Alex Highsmith who has developed, but again, that's a guy who's what like a third or fourth round guy, so it's not somebody that they thought was going to develop into that. 
Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think it, it. I don't think it matters where someone was drafted. It depends on what they are and what. what no, they no I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying nobody thought he was going to develop into that, but he did. Yeah. So, I, like I said, they have Cam Hayward, but Cam Hayward's not really a pass rusher. He's just going to clog up the inside. So you're not really worried about him getting sacks. Um, as good as a player as he is. So I'm just saying, like T.J. Watt still gets his fair share of double teams. Like T.J. Watt really is. If if you take T.J. Watt off that defense. I think they are significantly worse than than without him. You know what I mean? So well, yeah, but at least you still had quality players on the defensive line that you know teams still had to worry about. You take Miles Garrett. It, you look at the the stats last year. Miles Garrett had you know whatever double digit number of sacks he had, but then the second highest sack total for the Browns is like two and a half. Yeah, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I agree. They're both. I think these two are the two best pass rushers in the game, but I think Miles Garrett has been able to do almost as much as TJ Watt with a lot less help. Mm-hmm. I know it's definitely a conversation. How about you guys let us know what you think at home? Um, would you rather have TJ Watt or would you rather have Miles Garrett? I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, like I said, I think these guys are one A, one B, depending on what you want. Um, in a player and what you want in scheme fit. So, all right. Um, factor cap is going to be our next game that we're going to play. Pretty much, I'm I'm either going to say something um that could be controversial, and you guys either say you know like hey that's true, or wow you're really capping you're out of pocket with that. Um, or it'll just be yeah, like but a, is that what the young kids say now? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, or I'll just give like a quick little fun uh stat and you guys will either be like that's true or not true, pretty much. So um just a fun one just to get get off here so that everybody kind of understands what the little game is. Um factor cap guys, Colorado had four players with over one hundred receiving yards this past weekend. That is a fact. Yeah, hundred percent fact. It is a fact. And I think that that goes to show how good, um, you know, Sanders is at quarterback and how much he spread the ball around. So that's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, The next game is will they or won't they? So pretty much like it says, guys, I'm going to say something. You're going to be like they will or they won't. Uh, The first one we got up is will they or won't they? Colts trade Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they will. I think they will. You said you don't think they will, Don? I don't. You don't? I'm I'm back and forth on this, but if he makes enough noise and enough stink, I think that they might. Um, But... I mean, how much much time is left on this contract? Because if if he's a free agent at the end of this season, why would I trade for him? He's going to leave in free agency. He's signed him in free agency. Well, they could do... if, If somebody trades for him, then I think they're able to sign him to an extension right there. So... Or if he'll give a verbal, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him unless they have the verbal commitment that he's going to stay there. You know what I mean? Sure, so. But but even then, I'm not trading a first round. I'm not trading multiple picks for him. I'm, I'm sure as hell not trading a first round pick for him. No, and I mean, not I think for a running back. I think not the that, question that was asked. The question is, will they or won't they? Yeah. So they no, and, the question, and they and, and they my have, answer no. And I'm going to say yes because I know that they have tried <laughs> because they tried with Miami, they can, but they just they can asked try for, as much as they want. They just asked asking for a price is too high for they're asking prices too high for a position where the players are easily replaceable. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Their asking price with Miami was way too high because they wanted like multiple first and Jalen Waddle. So, but they have tried. So I'm going to say they will. 
Um, the second one that I had, and this will be a fun one for you guys, is the Browns will win a Super Bowl before Deshaun Watson's contract is up. Will they or won't they? I think they will. I take, taking my homerness out of it. I objectively, I think they will. Assuming that Deshaun Watson comes back, and regardless of the, what I think of him, I think that they will. I think they have to. I don't think it matters if they will or won't. Um, I think they have to because if they don't, then I think it's just another stain on the franchise. But I think if with the talent, then Cleveland Browns fans should push this team out of the city. I don't think they should push. I, the team I wouldn't out go of the that city, far, but I would. But I would definitely. I would definitely make ownership feel the pain that they have made the fans feel for so long. I think that this is one of the most loyal fan bases and they've endured a lot. Um, And I think that they have to compete for Super Bowls while Deshaun Watson is under this contract. Um, And obviously if he stays longer, I just put this contract just because we don't know if he'll stay after that or not um, until we know that there's an extension. But yeah, I think they have to. Um, all right, our next game that we're going to play real quick is Contender or Pretender. Basically, just like it says, I'm going to list off a team, and you guys are going to say whether or not you believe they're a contender or a pretender. Um, and this week, I have three teams on here that have gotten a lot of buzz this offseason or after a week one performance. First on the list okay. is Colorado. Contender or Pretender. And obviously, this is for their conference, not necessarily for the national championship. I'll I'll, I'll say that because I don't think they're going to contend for a national championship this year. But Contender. Okay. I think the only thing holding them back is their defense, but I think their offense is... Yeah. Maybe. I think the offense will be up there well enough to hold them in for it to be a contender, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are a pretender as well. Do you think there's any pathway for them to be a contender when it comes to the college football playoff? Give them another year or two, then yeah. But I'm talking about this yeah. year. Do you think there's a pathway for them? I think there will always be a pathway because someone's always going to get hurt. Um, yeah. if, if they continue to play like they have been, they'll, they'll be a ranked team and probably pretty highly ranked. You know, let's – Who's to say uh, star quarterback won't get hurt, and you know the, that team will fall, and then Colorado could be there to to fill in the gap. But if everyone stays healthy, I don't think they're going to compete this year for for the playoffs at least. Okay, I agree. Contender for their conference, maybe contender for um, the playoff. I wouldn't say they're a pretender because I do think they're a good team. All right, we'll move on to the next two will be in the NFL. So there's been lots of hype around the Lions. Do you guys think contender or pretender? Contender. Contender for their division, um, not for the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I think contender for the division, contender for the playoffs. But I think when it comes to the Super Bowl, I agree with Dom. I don't know if they're necessarily a contender there. Um, the last one I have is the Jaguars. Pretender. Tender. As much as I have respect for this team and where they're going, I don't think that they'll make the playoffs or even win the division. Okay. Dom, do you have them as a pretender or contender? Mm, pretender. Pretender. Okay. You don't even think they'll win the division? I think they'll compete for it, but I don't know. I could see 
I could see really a couple teams winning that division, um, especially if Jonathan Taylor will will come back. If they if the Colts don't trade him and he plays the rest of the season, um, I could see the Colts winning it. I could see the Titans winning it still. Um, I, I think that the conference is just too good for the Jaguars to to really be competitive. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think they're a pretender when it comes to anything outside that division, but I do think that they have the opportunity and I think they'll be a good contender in that division. I think their only real competition is going to be Tennessee. And it just depends on whether or not Ryan Tano can come out and be a productive quarterback. So um, all right, the last game of the night here. We're gonna finish off the episode with Did You Know? And this one's just gonna be a fun little fact. Um, and then we can talk about it if we want, or you guys can be like, that's cool, and we can end the episode. <laughs> um, but did you know that when Colorado signed Deion Sanders, they did not have the $29.5 million to pay him. But in in that, their fans donated around $28 million to the Colorado Athletic Department, and for the first time in 27 years, they sold all their season tickets for their football team. I actually did hear about that on Facebook. Yeah. So clearly Deion Sanders not only took a chance on this team, but Colorado took a huge swing. And like I said earlier in this episode, I 100% believe that this is going to be the start of a fun run at Colorado for Deion Sanders, unless he decides to leave for one of the more blue blood programs um, and take over somewhere else. You know, Clemson's struggling right now. Maybe that's a place that he decides to go and take over when they uh, are done with Dabo. But it'll be it'll be cool to see him stay there and build that program and make Colorado like one of the perennial programs in the country. I just think it would be funny and uh, and and really freaking cool uh, that he could do that. So. Um, I thank you guys so much for coming on the first episode here of the season. We're going to try to do this every single week. Um, but yeah, if you guys have anything that you wanted us to talk about that we didn't, or you have any opinions on this episode, please comment uh, down below on our social media posts. Uh, we have an Instagram, Facebook. Now it's called X. I probably won't be able to get used to that. <laughs> um, and then you can what listen a stupid to us. Name. Yeah, and then you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. If it's on Apple Music. Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So again, I'm Nick. I was joined by Dom and David today. This was another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, two-minute drill listeners, until next time.